What's up? What's happening? Welcome here to Lacrosse Now. I'm Travis Seltridge here. Our Thanksgiving week show on Lacrosse Now. Uh, so we've got a little special thing planned. I'll get to that in a second. Also some terrific guests. We'll talk with Drexel head coach Brian Volker. He has some emphatic things to say about returning a Jackman Jack Mulcahy and what he means to the program and how he thought he maybe was disrespected uh, by some of the national recognition at the end of the year. So we'll uh, hear from head coach Brian Volker of the Drexel Dragons. We'll also look back at uh, our Fairfield watch party, former stag Taylor Scrow joining us to talk about some of his favorite moments and goals he scored during his Fairfield career. Uh, looking back at uh, the interview we did for our Fairfield watch party a couple of weeks ago. So all that coming up. But we mentioned Thanksgiving week, and uh, for me personally, growing up, one of my favorite things about Thanksgiving, obviously the food, but you always think of football, and usually some kind of football game in the morning, in the backyard, you put together whoever in the family, friends in the neighborhood around, and you, and you put together a, a game of pigskin in the backyard. And so I decided, all right, like if I had the country's college lacrosse players to choose from, who am I putting together on a, a team of seven guys that I'm going to roll out there for a backyard football game? So I picked who I think the best of the best are in college lacrosse players, current college lacrosse players, to put together my seven-on-seven -seven backyard football team. So we're going to start with that, then we'll get to the interviews. So let's kick things off. My Thanksgiving morning football team uh, will start at the quarterback position. And now there are a lot of quarterbacks Former college quarterbacks around the country, when you go through these rosters, guys that played high school football and were quarterbacks, Joey Spillina, now a, a freshman at Syracuse, terrific high school quarterback uh, out on Long Island. But I'm going to go with a guy, I don't know if he did play any high school football, but Jack Myers, I'm going to go with as my quarterback because I just think he's got tremendous field vision. I mean, you look at what he's done on lacrosse field. Uh, nearly three assists per game last year. Took a really big jump a year ago for the Buckeyes. Fourth in the country in assists per game with the, those numbers. And on top of his field vision, I just love his size. Six foot four, has uh, good feet around the crease. So I just feel like in a backyard football game type, type of feel, I think he can see over everybody, views the field well in a seven-on-seven -seven format. So I'm going to go with Jack Myers, the Ohio State attackman, as my quarterback. You know, you think of, like, prototypical ex-attackman, and we've gone through different variations of it, but when I think of that position right now in college lacrosse, like, I think he's one of those guys. And so I'm going to make Myers, who's the quarterback of the Ohio State lacrosse offense, my quarterback on my uh, backyard Thanksgiving morning football team. Now we're going to get to the real fun stuff. So we've got, uh, I laying this out, I'm, I've got three wide receivers. I want an offensive lineman and a couple of running backs. Let's start rolling out the wide receivers. And this wide receiving core I'm putting together has all sorts of size. We'll start with the Virginia defenseman, Cade Sostad. And there is no more obvious choice well, actually, there is one. We'll get to that in a second. But very few more obvious choices than this guy as a wide receiver for your intramural backyard football team. The last football game he played, like real competitive football game, Kate Sostad played, the end of his high school football career, 2017 Texas 5A state football championship down at uh, Jerry World, the Cowboys Stadium. He had three receiving touchdowns, on 210 yards receiving 
also recovered an onside kick, and one of those touchdowns he caught ended up being the game-winning score. So he did everything. He was catching balls uh, from Jerry Jones' grandson, uh, who was the quarterback for that Highland Park team, won one of the greatest high school football games you will ever see. If you have not, if you didn't, don't remember that game, go back and search on YouTube, the 2017 5A State Football Championship involving Highland Park. Kate Sostad is all over those highlights, as you might have mentioned. And on top of his uh, receiving prowess, he also, once again, has terrific size. I mean, six foot five, 215 pounds. That is a guy that, like, no one's stopping. So I'm going to have Jack Myers, you can see over everybody, just tossing it up to Cade Sostad and let Sostad do what he did in high school. So I, I think that's a pretty obvious choice for one of my receivers. Uh, let's go to a second, my second receiver here. We're going to go to the Ivy League, a guy we had on the show here a couple of weeks ago. So if you missed that interview, uh, you can catch up to, with Sam Hanley. But I'm going to put him on my football team here. I don't, I don't think he played a lot of football growing up. However, was a terrific basketball player in high school. Is a, a big fan of the Portland Trailblazers, a big uh, basketball fan. So I'm thinking he's got good hands. So great athlete, once again, great size. Another six foot five guy who's got some uh, some good speed in the midfield for Penn. So once again, like Sawstad, just gonna throw up some jump balls. You know, like, use that basketball background. Let him just go up and get it. So Hanley is uh, is one of my other receivers on this squad. And then the third one to to round things out, another terrific athlete in the midfield is Graham Bundy Jr. from Georgetown. Now he is a guy who played some high school football, two-time captain on his high school football team in Missouri. When he was in high school, was actually named a top 25 football player in the states. Team was a state runner-up his senior year of high school. He's also got good size, six foot one. I really love the speed and agility he's shown off uh, as one of the best midfielders in the country at Georgetown a year ago. So the football background, where he kind of did it all, from my understanding, playing high school football to what we've seen on the lacrosse field and his size and athleticism. Now I like uh, Graham Bundy Jr. So I love what I've got here in my receiving course: Sawstad, Handley, and Bundy Jr. Jack Myers. I don't know what kind of arm he has, but I think he's, it's got to have a decent one. Great field vision. Just throw it up to those guys. So that's where I'm starting. Now let's get to the offensive line. You just need one guy, you know, just a, a token blocker for whoever's going to rush the quarterback on the three or five Mississippi, whatever your, your count is. But I'm going to go with Cole Caster, the big man, the defenseman from Virginia. I mean, who wants to rush a guy who's six foot seven? I don't. I mean, like, the guy's huge. So we'll put him in front. So, first of all, the intimidation factor, no one's going to want to try to rush by him. And then also, you got, you got to remember, backyard football, you token block, you stay in front, we're playing flag here, two-hand touch, one of the two. You stay in front of the guy, and then as soon as the, the rusher gets by you, then you release. Well, what's better than a, a six-foot-seven target to be able to drop the ball off to? He's another guy uh, it was a great bat, it was a big basketball player in high school, so... I'm assuming good hands to, to be that little outlet for Jack Myers. And he's got uh, some good lineage in terms of football. His dad played both football and rugby at Cal. So I like that uh, working well. So there you go. Cole Kastner as my offensive lineman slash outlet there. I also love him on when you flip the field, when you got to play defense. I mean, once again, who, who's going to throw for a guy who's six foot seven? So I like him up front uh, on both sides of the ball. That brings me to my running backs. And these are two more very obvious choices uh, when you look at the landscape of college lacrosse right now. 
We'll start with Ari Allen uh, from Ohio State, the midfielder. Talked uh, with his head coach, Nick Myers, about him a couple of weeks ago. You'll see that interview here in the next couple of weeks. So stay, stay locked into the podcast. Uh, but this dude was elite when it comes to his ability as a high school football player. Played lacrosse and football at IMG Academy. I mean, to play two sports at IMG Academy is almost unheard of because you go there usually specifically for one sport in order to try to, to build yourself up and, and earn yourself a college scholarship. Well, he was a guy who was playing both lacrosse and football at a prestigious high school like IMG Academy, was uh, one of the top slot receivers on a team that was number one in the country as a high school football team. So he's got a speed that uh, apparently is clocked around 4-5. I mean, we've seen it on the lacrosse field here his freshman year last year with the Buckeyes, Buckeyes at Ohio State. Doesn't have terrific size, but, I mean, for a guy to run out of the slot or have kind of flanking you in the backfield, sign me up for that speed and agility and the hands he showcased uh, as a high school football player. So he's my one running back slash slot receiver. And then the other one is a guy who we're currently watching play college football right now in Xavier Arline. Now, he's a quarterback for Navy. However, in the backyard football format, he doesn't throw the ball a whole lot. If you look at his, his stats so far uh, during his college career in football, there's not a lot of throws. Just knocked off, uh, helped Navy knock off UCF, a top 25 opponent this past weekend. He threw the ball once. It was an incomplete pass. So I'm going to use him strictly as a running guy, running back, like he's used really in this Navy offense. Double-digit rush attempts in each of his last four games. He's run for a touchdown in three of them. So he has been an elusive runner, ran for 87 yards a couple of weeks ago against Cincinnati. So I'm going to use his speed in both the backfield and the receiving game. Uh, Xavier Arline was a I mean, he's got elite juking ability. I, I remember watching him as a high school lacrosse player in uh, the Team USA tryouts for what originally became this, eventually became this U21 team. And some of the moves that he made in that tryout, just eye-popping. So this guy's got great uh, juke ability, ability to lose a defender if he's out in the, in the flank or, or out uh, in the open field. And uh, we've seen what he's done uh, running the ball now in the, at the college football field. So Arline and uh, Ari Allen are going to round out my uh, 7v7 football team. So if you've got thoughts, please share them in the, in the comments here, wherever you're watching or, or listening to the show. I'd love to see it. I mean, there are a lot of really good uh, former football players across uh, Division One men's lacrosse, but I just, you know, wanted to put together a team. I think my receiving core's got a lot of size. I got a lot of speed in the backfield, and I'm, I'm trusting Jack Myers to scope it all out and, and be the, uh, the elite quarterback he is in the lacrosse field in, uh, on the backyard uh, fields of my Thanksgiving football game. So th there's my team. Let me know what you, uh, what you think and if there's anybody else you want to throw on uh, your roster if you're, uh, you're suiting things up here Thanksgiving morning. And uh, hopefully you and your family have a terrific Thanksgiving. Maybe play a little football, lacrosse, who knows, uh, before you sit down at the, uh, the dinner table here on Thursday. But before you do that, I hope you keep listening because we've got some great interviews coming up. We'll start things off with the Drexel Dragons head coach, Brian Volker. Team's got a, a bunch coming back from a team that was a CAA tournament team a year ago, so I uh, had a chance to catch up with him a couple of weeks ago. So we're going to catch up on the Dragons here with head coach Brian Volker, talk a little fall ball. Uh, coach, 
When I remember, like, thinking about your team last year, I felt like you had a bunch coming back, and it feels like you still have a, a good amount coming back here for, for this coming year. Where's this team at in terms of, like, wh what you're feeling like heading into 2023? Yeah, well, we just finished our fall season. Um, you know, we start school a little bit later. Um, so we, we have a four-week fall season. We just finished with the scrimmage. Um, and to be honest with you, I don't think we played great in the scrimmage. We just talked about that. Um, yeah. But, you know, um, feel like we have the pieces in place. Um, you're right. We have, you know, some some leadership. We have some older guys that have been through this thing. Um, we have pieces kind of all over the field um, that we feel like we can compete and be really good. Um, know our conference is going to be really tough. Know it's going to be a little bit different um, with the additions and 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 UMass leaving. Um, UMass is always a bear. So, um, you know, uh, getting them out of here probably will uh, be a little bit of a relief, but I know, you know, some of these teams coming in are going to be difficult and, and, and play hard. Um, you know, I would say that Delaware is going to have the, the bullseye on their back as the favorite. Um, but, you know, there's like usual, it's going to be a lot of teams battling it out um, to try to figure this thing out. And we're all going to need a little bit of luck and, you know, a couple, couple, grab a couple of breaks, but, you know, feel like we, we have some pieces to be really good um, and are excited for the season. Yeah. You mentioned the new look conference. Like what's like, what's the feeling about it? Is it kind of exciting that you've got some new, some new blood, some new teams you're going to face that you, you haven't squared off with every year for the last, however many, or is it like a little bit of, Hey, well, we're going to have to kind of relearn what some of these teams are doing when it comes to some conference games. I think probably a little bit of both, right? So um, there, there's always some excitement with that stuff. And, um, you know, the, the three programs coming in, you know, they're from different geographic areas. They're, you know, they're different teams. Um, you know, some of them, you know, we, we've scrimmaged Monmouth a little bit. We've had Stony Brook down here doing some scrimmage stuff. Um, but, you know, besides what, seeing Stony Brook on film a little bit, I haven't really seen them, you know, so they're they're going to be a tough one to kind of figure out and catch up with and see what their personality is. Um, you know, I think one of the reasons um, that our conference is always so tough and, it, and it's like every conference, you know, you see it in, in football and, you know, all, all these sports, right? When you, when you know each other, um, you know, they're, you tend to know the tendencies and the games are closer and you have to grind stuff out and the kids get the little, you know, chip on their shoulder and they know those guys and we've seen them more than once a year and all that stuff. So um, it is going to be a, a little bit different having those three teams come in and try to figure that stuff out and their styles of play and their styles of coaching and their styles of players, um, you know? Um, so yeah, it will be, will be a little bit different. Um you know, I would assume that that Stony Brook will, you know, probably be the better of those three teams. I know Monmouth two years ago was really good, yeah, um, and and had a had a little bit of a rough year last year. And I know obviously Hampton's building, um, but you know, um, you, you never know. You got to show up and play. Um, and like I said, I think there's there's going to be a lot of competition. It's good. I think the probably the biggest difference for us is you know, going from six teams to eight um, and kind of, you know, figuring that out. Um, and, you know, when you're four of six teams making the playoffs, four of eight is a little bit different, obviously. So um, I don't, you know, I'm not a math major. So figuring out the tiebreaker, some of that stuff, I don't know if it's easier with eight or, or harder. So we'll, fig we'll figure that out. Yeah, we'll find out soon enough. Uh, defensively, like I'm looking back at who you guys have. And I mean, I think I've been saying the names Patrick Udovich and, and Brendan Greenwald for like, it feels like forever. What's it like to have guys like that back? George Grippo, obviously Ross Blumenthal's back for another year defensively. It must feel like you can 
get not relaxed, but it's like, all right, we've got guys who have done it at this level now for a while as starters that are back on that end of the field. Yeah. Um, you know, Ross, again, will kind of anchor that, that thing, but, but, but Drew McGill, um, you know, played a lot last year and will push for, you know, playing time. And again, do we split time with those guys again, or does one guy jump out all that stuff? We'll, we'll try to figure that out. Um, you know, obviously, um, you know, Brendan, Brennan and, and Udy um, are going to be our anchors kind of down there at close defense. Um, and both of those guys were voted captains uh, along with Jack Mulcahy. Um, so obviously that's a really good base down there. Um, you know, um, losing Sean Quinn and, and losing Jack Farrell um, were two guys that like, you know, played a lot in their, in their careers their four or five year careers um, and, and played really well uh, for us. So we're going to have to get guys to step in there and kind of figure that stuff out. Um, but, you know, I, I will say, I, I think Udy probably had his best fall. Um, you know, it's a six one, so it's good to have the best one then. Um, and, and Brennan's just such a, you know, quarterback down that end and, and a leader. Um, it's, it's going to really help. And, and now we're trying to figure out the other pieces. Um, you know, GQ, I think is one of the best short sticks in our league. Um, so, uh, you know, kind of having him to, to anchor that unit, um, is going to be helpful. Um, we're really excited um, about Liam Kamar, who um, transferred in from Essex, kid from Baltimore. Um, he had a great fall. Um, I think he's going to – you'll see him a lot. And then, again, we're going to kind of figure out the other pieces. Um, Charlie Malley's another guy that's played a lot for us, and he's played short stick and long stick and close and man down and all kinds of different stuff. He, he'll be the kind of the, the first guy, I think, at the long stick position. Um, so we're going to need him to have a really good year. So, um, yeah, we again, we have some pieces, but we need to figure out the, the other kind of starting pieces and the depth there um, for us to, to really succeed. And, and we got to play better than we played uh, defensively last year. Um, you know, Coach Durkin and I have, like, you know, been trying to figure out, you know, do we simplify it? Do we make it more complicated? Like, whatever. But we we need to make some changes there and figure some things out um, and play better. Um, hopefully winning some more face-offs will help us there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Liam uh, Rosado kind of came on at the end of the year and ended up having a, a solid year for us last year. Um, and we we brought in a transfer um, and, and Grant uh, Asica, I think, has had a, a really good fall. Um, so I think if we can be, you know, not – I think we were second to last in the country in face-off percentage um, – that's got to change um, or, or, you know, we're probably not going to look as good as we need to look on a defensive end. Yeah. When the other team gets the ball just about every time to start the possession, that not, not doesn't bode well for your defense. It puts a lot of stress yeah. on them. Um, Luke Tomac was a guy that I just absolutely loved to watch coming on as, as a freshman, obviously he misses all last year with the, the injury. Hey, what's his status as he gets ready to hopefully come back here for a second year? Yeah, we need Luke to come back. We need him to come back strong. Um, he's worked really hard on his rehab. Um, he didn't play, um, you know, full contact stuff in the fall, uh, but he was out, you know, doing shooting drills and stick work drills and and just at the very end of the fall started to do, you know, some five on four and some six on five stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, to, for us to be successful, he's going to have to have a really good year for us. Um, you know, I think our offense is going to start with Jack Mulcahy. Um, you know, he's as good as any player, you know, it, obviously in our conference, he's, uh, you know, it still drives me crazy that he was the offensive player year in our conference and doesn't get all American, which I don't, I don't know how that happens. Um, the year that he had the points that he scored, like all that stuff. Um, I mean, when you saw us at the end of the year, um, when we played UMass and, 
and he, you know, didn't play in the second half. And when, you know, when we played Delaware in the, in the CA tournament without Jack, uh, you could see what our team, you know, how the difference. Um, so he's, you know, obviously really going to be the straw that, that stirs that drink down there. Um, you know, Sean Donnelly's going to have to kind of be that, that guy that, you know, kind of settles things down at the attack unit. Um, a lot of different kind of moving parts, trying to figure out, you know, who can play attack, who can play midfield, um, you know, Max kind of, uh, kind of anchored that lefty spot, um, scored a lot for us last year. I think he's made some, some progress, um, came in in better shape this fall. We're going to need him to have a really good year. Uh, but again, same thing, have some really good pieces, um, and, and a base to be really good on the offensive end. Um, and now we need some guys to, to other guys to step up and, and figure out who can fill those spots to midfield, who can fill that third attack spot, um, who can be the fourth attackman that comes in and, and, you know, helps us, uh, you know, all those things. Yeah. Uh, with, with the fall, cause we were talking about your, your scrimmage, you, you scrimmage Towson, which is a little unusual, but it's just kind of how things ended up working out with an event that was supposed to happen. And I, I think maybe a little bit had to do with COVID, but also some like coaching philosophy things over the last couple of years, in terms of like how many events people want to play in the fall, do they want to do anything? Do you just want to focus on yourself? Like how is, has your philosophy changed at all about the fall and like how you approach it here over the last several years, or is it kind of the same old for you? Um, yeah, I mean, our fall, you know, we always try to, I mean, I think one of the things that we've always done and always has helped us be successful is, you know, giving kids an opportunity to really show us what they can do, especially in the fall. Everybody plays, everybody played in that scrimmage. Um, you know, we were kind of mixing and matching. I think it, it, it drove Coach Boyle a little bit crazy. You know, Jack didn't play in the second half. And I'm like, look, we know what he can do. Um, you know, um, Sean Donnelly didn't play much after the first quarter. Um, he had been a little bit banged up that week and didn't really practice. So we didn't want to like go, go overboard with him. Um, we were just tr really trying to figure out, you know, some of these other guys, some of these young guys, some of the guys, you know, the, the sophomores and juniors that haven't played a lot, some of the freshmen, what they can and can't do. Um, again, the, the scoreboard um, this weekend wasn't what we wanted and we didn't play as well as I wanted, um, but it answered some questions more, more on the negative way than the positive way. Uh, but that's kind of always been how we've handled it. I have a, a sheet, you know, we kind of play guys per by quarter, you know, we've rotated the face off guys evenly. Um, you know, all, all that stuff. So um, to me, the fall isn't about like who won the scrimmage and who did this and, you know, that it's about like, did we do, did we play well? Did this guy play well individually? Did we do these things? Well, um, you know, I, I probably won't play Towson anymore because they, <laughs> they got after us this weekend. Um, but, but maybe it gives them a false sense of how good they were. Maybe they are really that good. So, um, so we'll see, but yeah, to me, the scrimmages are just running around, seeing a different Jersey, um, seeing a different ride, a different clear, a different, you know, group of guys on offense, a different group of guys on defense um, and just seeing how our guys react to that. Not in terms of score, but like how have you had years where like you feel amazing about a team in the fall and then it like just doesn't end up working out in the spring for whatever reason and like vice versa where you're like, I don't know what we have. And then all of a sudden it becomes like one of your best teams. Like how how like real of a field do you normally have about a, a squad in the fall? Um. Yeah, I, I again, I. I think it's the same thing. You like you ha you have an idea of like, hey, we're really deep here, or we're really thin here, or um, you know, this. You know, we know we're going to get out of Jack. He's going to be really good. You know, yeah. and knock on one, let some get you know 
so he gets hurt or something. Um, but it's those other guys and, and you need to see how they react. Um, again, in a scrimmage, sometimes you get a little false hope because there's no scouting reports or maybe even early in the year, kids play well because teams haven't kind of figured out what they're really good at. Um, but I, you know, I think you have a, an idea of, you know, like who you're going to be. Um, we're still questioning some things about like who we're going to be. Like I said, I think, you know, we have some really good pieces, uh, but we, we need some guys to play better. Um, and some of the, you know, the second tier guys, quote unquote, um, to, to step up and, and really like, you know, when the lights turn on play really well, um, there were some guys that had played really well in practice, um, and didn't have a great Saturday. Now, does that mean they didn't have a great Saturday or they, does that mean they can't do it? Uh, you know, when we start playing real games in the, in the spring, but yeah, I, I don't think there's too many times when you're hyper surprised, like, yeah. you know, that you're really good or, you know, you have a chance to be really good or that, Oh boy, we, we got problems or we have problems in this one area. Um, you know, last year again, and I thought, you know, we underachieved a little bit. Um, but you know, I knew facing off was going to be an issue. Um, and it turned out to be a huge issue. Um, like I said, I thought we would have played a little bit better defensively last year than we did. Um, so that, that was a surprise, but sometimes you're surprised good, good or bad, but I think you have a sense of, of who you are. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I want to leave you on this. Uh, we were talking about rebounding a little bit before, and we had a chance to catch up with Reed last week and uh, having a chance to watch him offensively in the field game over his Drexel crew was awesome. And you'd watch him on the ground balls. And it was terrific. But, like, to watch what he did then as a rookie in the NLL, and I think he's second among non-face-off guys to, like, Zach Currier, who is one of the best players in the world in terms of loose balls. What was it like to watch him go indoors professionally and do what he did as a rookie? Look, I don't think anything Reed does surprises anybody. Um, again, as a player, as a leader, um, and just as a, in an awesome kid. And, he, you know, he's almost not a kid anymore, I guess. But, um <laughs> You know, he, he's he's awesome. He's he's you know, we'd love to have him around. Um, he, you know, did anything he would do, anything you asked him to do on the field. Um, he was never a guy you thought was going to ever get in trouble. Um, but he also wasn't like this nerdy kid that like sat in a corner. Right. Like, you know, he's just an awesome kid with a great personality. Um, you know, he anything that he does won't surprise me um, on the lacrosse field, off the lacrosse field. Um, He's just a, a wonderful young man from a great family. Um, you hear, you know, so too too much of that stuff being thrown out, but Reed is just one of the best kids that have been in our program. Um, you know, as a player, as a as a as a captain, uh, as a leader, and just you know, did great in school and will do great whatever he decides to do. Yeah, well, uh, we can't wait to see him back on the floor out there with Vancouver uh, coming up here in about a month or so. Can't wait to see you guys back on the field this spring. Coach, we appreciate the time as always, and uh, we'll catch up again here soon as we get ready for 2023. Thanks a lot. If you're a Dragons fan, you should be excited about what Coach Volker and company have coming back. They've got a bunch offensively. Uh, you lose Sean Quinn on the defensive end, but Ross Blumenthal still back in goal. And I, I, Drew McGill as well, by the way. They Both goalies that played uh, time last year, uh, both back. So a lot of pieces back for Drexel. A new look CAA with UMass leaving, but still uh, Delaware obviously very good. You know what you're going to get from Towson. So it's going to be fun to watch Drexel again this year. It's certainly a team that you would think would compete 
for a CAA tournament berth and, and maybe really compete uh, for another CAA title this year. Going to be fun to see what Coach Volker and this squad does. Uh, speaking of CAA teams, we uh, continue to bring you interviews that we've done here over the last couple of weeks as part of our new special watch party. It's every week here on Lacrosse. Now you can see it on Wednesdays starting at 8 a.m. and then again at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Today here on Lacrosse Now, we're going to look back at our Fairfield watch party from a couple of weeks ago. Had a chance to catch up with the former Fairfield sharpshooter, Taylor Stroud. Spoke to him about some of his biggest games, his favorite goals, things throughout his Fairfield career. Take a listen. So as part of this watch party, we've got former Fairfield Stag, Taylor Stroud, joining us now. Taylor, man, thanks for uh, taking some time. Uh, relive some of your glory days back there in, in Fairfield. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, I mean, what a journey it was. And I, I can't be more thankful enough to the coaches, to the parents, to everyone, my teammates who, you know, did it with me. And it, I've been so blessed with, you know, the experience that I had and grateful for every, you know, teammate, coach, like I said, that has helped me through to where I am today. It was an unbelievable journey. Well, uh, we're going to relive a little bit of that journey with you. We just showed people uh, your win from this past year against Hofstra at home. And that was a big one for you guys. It was the first time you'd won a CAA game and like snapped a 16 game losing streak in the conference. It, it felt like, especially the beginning of the CAA play this year, when you got that win, it felt like you guys had turned a corner. How, how big a win was that for you guys, especially a bunch of you had been on the team for four or five years? Absolutely. I mean, it was it was surreal. I think that's the perfect word, because like you said, 16 games, losing streak. Every game was like a Super Bowl for us. We wanted to get that first win. And, you know, as that clock started to wind down at the end, I think, you know, I, in the video, you could see the emotions on the sideline were already starting before that clock even ended. So I think that win meant the world to the program. It meant the world to the alumni, to everyone involved in Fairfield lacrosse. So to do that and be a part of that win. And, you know, I think it was just something special that, you know, we'll remember for a while. Yeah. And I have to feel like for you guys too, I mean, the, the CAA was so tight and it's not like you guys weren't competitive in the past. Like you, you play everybody tough, but it just like, you couldn't get that win. And to finally get it probably had to feel like there was like a weight off your shoulders too. Oh, absolutely. Every practice was, a grind. I mean, every practice we treated the same, but, you know, in going in day, day in and day out in different games and just losing by that little watch, it hurt. So getting that win against Hofstra, I think, was definitely a result of all this hard work in practice, and it came together, and it was a great win. So you had a couple of goals in that game, more than 100 in your Fairfield career. Do you have a favorite goal from your college career? Um... That's hard. Uh, Put I you do. on the spot. There was, there was a fun – there was a game, my, I believe it was my sophomore year, we played Bryant, um, and my favorite goal was, was the game-winning goal, but just the feeling of all the teammates coming around and us just having that win against a great team like Bryant. That was one of my favorite moments, just the dog pile, the whole, the whole nine yards. I thought it was phenomenal. Yeah, game winners are a good one to, to have uh, fond memories of. Did you, I mean, when I remember doing your games throughout your career, like it felt like you could shoot from anywhere. Did you have a distance in mind? Like where was your range was at? Or did you just try to stretch it as far as you could? Um, let's just say my coach thought I had a distance. <laughs> I had a different thing in mind. Um, it was kind of like 
if I felt like I was going to shoot, I was pulling up. That was it. Um, but no, I mean, it was, there was all different spots in the field, wherever you feel right, you know, wherever you feel like your hands are free, shoot or shoot. And you got to let it go sometimes. Yeah. Hey, that's a good attitude. And, and you, you canned a whole bunch of them throughout your, uh, your career. You, you were at Fairfield at a time where you had a, a coaching change on top of then the pandemic hitting. What was it like to transition going to Coach Andrew Baxter, who came in right there before the pandemic? And so, like, his first year gets cut short, and you guys are going through all the changes of having a new coaching staff in place while also then just not being able to be together. Yeah, uh, the transition was – for players, it was a very simple transition. I think the coaches did it in such a great way where they both embraced what they both were offering and they kind of blended together and coach Baxter accepted the role and, the, and accepted all the guys on the team with, with open arms. And I think the transition was extremely easy, um, but it was a whole new atmosphere. You know, you gotta, you gotta get involved with a new coaching staff, but I think they did such a great job integrating their philosophies and their style that, you know, the guys bought in right away. And that's, I think, what was successful in being, you know, a great program. So uh, we're going to take people back to uh, one of the games from that 2020 season here in a minute. Uh, your game against Quinnipiac, a high-scoring affair. I felt like just every about every one of your games in 2020 was a high-scoring affair before the season stopped. Uh, you had a bunch of goals. You scored 24 goals in seven games that year. What was it about the offense early on in 2020? Because, like, you guys had to click it. It was – we were rolling. And, you know, I tell everyone that COVID really, really got to Fairfield Lacrosse because – we were in a really good spot when COVID hit and really took away the rest of that season. We were playing really well. The, the camaraderie in the locker room within guys was fantastic. So it was just unfortunate that COVID hit at that time. But that was a great year, even though it was seven games, I think. Yeah, I mean, th those, those kind of numbers, that was one of your best scoring uh, seasons of your whole career, and you, you only played about half the year. That's uh, it's big-time <laughs> stuff. Do, do you have a favorite game from uh, your time at Fairfield? It, I believe this, there was a win against Hofstra, and I think we'll, we'll touch on that. Have, getting that win, first CA win, 16 games, 16 losing game streak, um, that was huge. And just being with the guys and being able to celebrate in the locker room after with the coaching staff, I think was the best part about it. I think it, was, it meant everything to alumni, to parents, to everyone around the program. So it was very special. I think that's, my, that's definitely my favorite win. Well, uh, that was a, a good one for you guys. Uh, we're going to show people another good one, that, that game against the Bobcats uh, from back in 2020. Taylor, thanks so much for taking some time. It was fun to take a trip down memory lane with you. Good luck with everything, and we'll uh, catch up sometime down the road. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate it. So once again, if you missed our Fairfield watch party, uh, you'll be able to see it up on YouTube on our YouTube page uh, very shortly. Uh, the entire playlist, including the games and interviews we've done, you can take a look at, at past ones there. Or you can watch every Wednesday starting at 8 a.m. and then again at 6 p.m. Eastern time. It's watch party here on LSN. Well, as for now, that's all the time we have for this edition of Lacrosse. Now we hope you and your family have a terrific Thanksgiving, have a, a great meal, and get to share some time with some people you love. And we will see you right back here on Tuesday.